0: Welcome to another episode of Chocolate with a Side of Medicine and I am one of the co-hosts. I'm Dr. Chris and I am joined by the lovely amazing ladies. We're gonna do first up, boom 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 boom. We got Amy Joe MD. What's up y'all? We <laughs> no, do something different, okay <laughs> Okay. And then next one we got Dr. No-no. Hey! And last but not least, we got Dr. Sunshine.
1: Hey! Hey!
0: What I, <laughs> uh,
1: I had to, to match your intensity, Dr. Chris, because you're giving it. lots of intensity right now, so I had to match it. <laughs> I ain't going to leave you out here by yourself like Amy Jo and Dr. No-No. Uh, well, I I did. I know, after
2: my Hello Albert, Albert introduction last week. Hello
1: sure Albert. That's true. Hello Albert. It's
2: Fat <laughs> Albert. It's not Albert. You See, you do not oh, not even know. It's fine. Leave
0: your card. <laughs> it's fine. Leave your card at the end of the episode. It's fine. It's fine. I don't have any more cards to give. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies. So how have you been? I feel like it's been a while since we've been on i don't know it just feels like it's been a while i guess a lot right. has happened
1: is this your way of saying that you miss us right
0: i do you know you me. can you can just you I can just you say too, that you miss us and back and back Chris. Miss... yo yo but for real though let me tell y'all something What? that's scary be good guess what y'all what what i got the rona yo yeah
1: Aww. Aww. A Rona
0: came to visit you. A Rona, I got caught up with the Rona. Damn. Listen.
1: Well, how yeah. was your how was your experience with Rona? You know, everybody's experience is different. I know. You know,
0: yeah. Sometimes
1: yeah. Sometimes she be sucker punching people.
2: Right. Like sometimes,
1: sometimes she just kind of floats in, floats out, and sometimes she be like, "You, you, you coming with me? You, you go back."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. So the thing was, so okay, I'm gonna tell y'all the truth. What happened was, now went to work. I was supposed to be going, I was supposed to be going away. So I got a test done because I had to get a test done before I was going to go away. Right. And my test didn't come back. I got the, I got the PCR test done. They, they send it out. The one that they send out. Right. So mm-hmm. I was waiting 24 hours to get it. Didn't come. So I got tested the following day. I saw some COVID patients, you know, it's going about my day. Fine. I was like, man, I didn't get my test. I'm like, I'm trying to get on this trip. Trying to go on this trip and I need a negative test to go. So then um I got a rapid test done and then it came back positive. I was mm-hmm. like, Dang. So I had to cancel my trip and everything.
1: Now for the listeners, you know how we've talked about rapid versus PCR. So if you do a rapid test and your rapid is positive. You positive. Like, yeah.
3: you're you're, yeah. you're definitely you're positive. positive.
1: Like You're all the way positive. Because the rapid, <laughs> you know, it can only really pick it up if you have a high viral amount. So if your rapid is positive, you positive.
0: Yeah. And, of course, immediately after I got positive, right, that's when I started feeling awesome. I'm like, oh, my gosh. My throat hurts. <laughs> 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 I don't feel good. My nose is running. And, and I was like, it's <laughs> super dramatic. <laughs> this is just me being dramatizing this whole thing but um I was she went from that. being
1: like oh I feel great I'm trying to go on this trip to oh my god
0: I think I do I think I do have some dying." <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, I'm like oh my gosh I do have symptoms and then I went home and I was like all right I'm good fine I went home and I'm like uh this is horrible like I'm dying I'm not, oh my gosh I'm not I was be- I'm I'm really just being extra guys but um really most of my symptoms were just um congestion uh cough what else now, I had how you some feel chills. Now? I feel a lot better, but I still get tired pretty yeah, quickly. So it's like common. Yeah. Like I realized it was so funny. Like I did something like really simple. Like got up to make a meal, right? Made my meal. I was like, all right, good. I made my meal ready to eat. Cool. Sat on my couch. Man, I couldn't keep my eyes open. I'm like, dang, I need a nap. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but why? Like, what did I do? Yeah.
2: no that fatigue will get you I yeah. I also got the Rona um, Christmas Eve uh, so that was fun but I, I just remember the, the worst symptom was just like I would sit on my couch and just wake up like eight hours later and just like in the same spot I'm like oh well I guess I slept all day so I guess I'll sleep Jeez. some more so <laughs> I mean it's just but the main thing is is that when you get vaccinated and you're boosted that keeps your butt out of the hospital. So, you can control your symptoms at home. Fatigue does suck, but at the very least you're not coughing up a lung and you're not on a ventilator in the hospital. So,
0: Yes, very true. I was
2: very I was very
0: thankful that I was fully vaccinated um and I mean it, it was crazy cuz I mean, of course I know all the symptoms, right? doctor I see this all the time but it's a little different when you actually have it yourself and you're like oh wait a second like this could this could go south real quickly right and you're just thinking like oh shoot like am am I okay this could this could really go bad right and um But now do you thinking, like I know, but I'm being a little dramatic. I'm also full disclosure, guys. When I'm sick, I'm a little dramatical when I'm sick. So <laughs> not I dramatic, really, dramatic. I am I am dramatical. Am dramatical. Dramatical.
2: So oh I remember I called I called Dr. Chris like when she told us that she had COVID. And I, we were like just cracking up over something. And I just remember you just it's all like you were hacking up a lung. It's like and I'm I like
0: I, I think you'll be all right. You'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm still joking, even though. Like, and just I'm so like, y'all happy.
1: know, Doctor Chris was about to bring her A game for this trip. Doctor Chris got her hair done, nails done, everything. So that 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 positive rapid test hit. That hit hard. <laughs> yeah,
0: that yeah. hurt my yeah. feelings.
1: She's like, she's like, I bought my flight. I got my hair done, nails done, everything. Like
0: everything done. Ready to go.
1: She was ready to go.
0: No, and Rona <laughs> no. said, "Um, I'm gonna need you to sit down because." You're <laughs> That's the worst part. Absolute worst
4: like, part. I managed. Did you, I managed did you have insurance. trip
0: insurance? I of course I did. I don't play around. I
4: don't yeah. play around. <laughs> trip insurance is a must at this point. I mean, yeah, like mm-hmm.
0: you never know. It, clearly, like my plans just went out just like that. Yep. Right. And and it's, it's great because good- it give
4: you your money back. It, it's great. Mm-hmm. I literally just yeah. got a check uh, from a wedding that that um, I was supposed to go to, and we could not make it happen and submitted the results i have not had the rona by the way there there are still two of us still hanging in i feel like we're on like a, i feel like this is like some kind of you know game show or something like <laughs> right <laughs> like running man or something it's probably old i'm dating myself remember Literally. old, old school, running man um like survival of the fittest there are now two who will survive like i'm not trying to get the rona
2: but I feel um, like me,
1: me and Amy Jo are like the only two left standing. Like, that's it. literally, every, like, every, everyone.
2: I mean, everyone out of our arrived. entire residency class, yes, I think you guys are the only two people left. So,
1: not even just of our class, but just, you know, I'm a whole Floridian. Like, listen, like, <laughs> just in my whole entire family, I'm like, y'all. This but, is you wild. know,
0: guys, I did, I read, I forget which article that I read, but I did read some article where they were saying, like, they're looking into that, that there's some people that even though they're around people that have covid and been exposed but they just don't get it and they're thinking that there could be some kind of genetic component with their immune system or like maybe that is the reason why they're not getting
2: covid
1: now mind you that article i mean not to get too like deep with it yeah but but we all know like throughout covid I've been seeing so many COVID positive people, but then there's lots of couples out there where the husband's positive wife is negative. That happens a lot. Yeah. And we've, and we've just been telling people, Hey, you guys are always around each other, sleep next to each other. Just, just assume you both have it. Maybe it's just a false negative. We don't know, but there's a ton of people who spend forever. You know, it it just doesn't make sense. Like it just, Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. it doesn't Mm -hmm. quite
1: make sense, but because I don't have an alternate explanation to give them, I'm just Mm -hmm. like, look, y'all just need to quarantine together and call that a day. Like, yeah, yeah. Because if you actually don't have it and you haven't caught it to this point, then yay, good for you. But we're gonna act like you mm-hmm. do have it, so don't go nowhere. Like what?
4: Right. So that be. I'm different. Uh, what? What? If If um, I'm married and my my spouse gets it, I'm moving out. I'm going to another room. <laughs> I'm not presuming anything. The oh, only thing I'm should. presuming is you got COVID and right. I don't. I don't.
0: Bye, yeah. boo. I see you Bye. 10 days. No, I'm with you. No, I'm, I'm with you. With I'm with
1: you. And that's that's cool too. But remember back in the day, like, especially in the beginning, some people didn't have access to tests, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah
1: that's true. So then I was, like, I was like, listen, I mean, if your husband is, is positive and you, they'd be like, oh, but I feel great. I'm like, mm, uh,
0: nah.
4: they, yeah. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't yeah. know.
4: I wasn't understanding that. Remember when Um uh, Idris Elba had got COVID and his wife was like, I'm going to stick beside him and I'm going to stick beside him. I was like, you crazy hell, girl. I'm out like, <laughs> we rich. You know how many rooms are in here? I'd be like, listen, I love you. I know we just got married, but I'm going to go to the other side of the house real
0: quick. Listen, I'll see you back here in two weeks. Listen, like I always say, what's the sense of both of us dying? Somebody you know got to tell the story. Tell a story. And I decided it's gonna be me. Oh <laughs> um,
2: I to that thing going.
0: I, I always volunteer I, myself. I, I, me you too. guys are what? Y'all are listening. Listen. This okay. is why, this is why Amy and Joe and I got along so well. We understand yeah. each listeners, other listeners,
1: the listeners are oh. kidding.
4: I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm somebody's gotta stay alive to tell this story. Is. I want everybody to know what a wonderful person you are. And so because of that, right. I'm going to leave this bedroom. Thank you. Go. <laughs> And you stay here. You stay and, there, and I'll bring you
0: stuff. And I'm gonna go to food. the other
4: side, right? Okay. Now, you know, and everybody isn't privileged to do that, right? Because earlier, you're right, uh, Doctor Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Earlier, when people were getting COVID and we didn't have a t- the test, most of the time, it the awareness didn't arise until somebody started showing significant symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I and I had and I have had patients that were like, we, "There's only one bathroom in this house." Um, there's only two yep. bedrooms and the kids are in the other bedroom and we're concerned because we don't want to make the kids sick because the kids have asthma or you know there's all these things and so it was really like two adults stuck in one room like we've been in here and all this kind of stuff and so I remember I remember the heaviness that that you know that felt we were trying to have these conversations about strategy and keep people safe and we were having everybody just wear masks you know yeah you can even wear you know negotiating like do you sleep in your mask or no um i think most time we decided that at least in in your sleep you know maybe you don't have to wear it but there were couples that were like this one bedroom is all we have because we only have two bedrooms in here and the kids are in the other one and we're trying to spare the kids so we're just gonna shelter in place and i thought man this is the love you didn't sign up for
1: I know, <laughs> I know. Wait, wait, wait. What you mean you didn't sign up? I mean, it's in there for better or worse in sickness and yeah, in health. It's, yeah, it's, that's in really it's in but there. It's in there. But you know, when you said in sickness, this you thought that you would be
4: caring for the sick, right? Not like, right. let's Dying see together. if we're going to die together, right? Like, oh.
2: Oh, it did
1: The vows did say that. The, the, the on, vows I catch mean, that, I, I that vows,
2: but I I are, are you trying to say COVID needs to be in the vows? <laughs> Yo, I mean, you <laughs> know, nothing like a global
4: pandemic to update the vows. Okay, like. <laughs> <laughs> but in sickness
1: it's, it's and in health, partner. but not that, but not that COVID not, that COVID sickness, right? <laughs> not that COVID sickness,
4: right? Nothing COVID. sickness and in health. You're gonna be a power couple, okay? In that sickness and in health (laughs) like prove your love right we put we put the covid sickness and in health in our vows so that's how much we were committed oh my god but uh listen these are general
1: sickness general sickness just just wasn't enough
4: no you know we got we got (laughs) new ways to prove your love what kind of sickness you talking Obu? boo you gonna covet the any sickness and health? Or you gonna regulate I'm talking. I'm health?
1: talking. I'm talking. Delta variant. Oh,
4: that's Delta. love. That's love, girl. That's right girl I love you through Delta variant sickness right. and health.
0: You can like, you love. love me like that? Oh boy, oh you, I'm gonna goodness. have your babies. Okay. Oh
1: lord. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I don't even know how we got here. Doctor Chris asked how we were. I blind I blame Doctor Chris. I'm good. Oh. We're fine, Chris. But I but I am happy to be seeing your face, Chris, and that oh, you do feel better. And that makes you. me feel good because, you know, you never know with COVID, vaccinated or, or not. But I'm I'm happy that you're feeling
2: better. Thank you. You and No No. Thank you. Thank Honestly. You. It was I mean, all I did was just sleep and drink wine and watch Netflix. So it was no, great I did five not days all. <laughs> I did not
0: drink wine. I did medicate myself. <laughs> Took every vitamin I could. <laughs> I'm in the process of doing
1: a dry February with one of my friends and oh. I don't know if <laughs> so, <laughs> so, she, is so a short she decided month. so she decided <laughs> to do a dry February and then she was like hey do you want to do it with me and be like a source of kind of like support like we got each other and I was like Oh and she asked me on February 1st while well, I have a drink in my hand. I'm like, well, <laughs> it can't start today because I have a margarita in my hand. I'm like, so maybe we can start tomorrow? And she's like, yeah, I really want someone to like, you know, I can touch base with, especially on Fridays and over the weekend when it's hard. I'm like, yeah, sure, fine. So now we're doing it together, and I'm like, dang, it's Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Mm. I'm like, man, it's Valentine's Day coming up. I'm like, why
0: did I do this? <laughs> I was like, this is, this is not- February is God. a short month, though.
4: It's At a short month, ask, but it's March. With- March is a long month. But there's so many things happening in February. There's That's things happening in February. Yeah. You yeah.
1: know, it's like so I'm supposed to kick it on Valentine's Day and not drink. I'm like, okay. fine. So why didn't y'all
0: start off small? Like, let's do a dry week. Or now we let's do a dry <laughs> This wasn't day. my Three idea. Days or something like Three
4: days. Dr. Chris would like, let's try a dry hour.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Let's work our way up. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> don't, don't do too much. Like, you're setting yourself up. Like, you got to yeah, set reasonable. Like, a goals.
2: long commitment. Chris I
1: was trying to be a good friend but now I'm, I'm realizing I bit off more than I could chew and now I don't want to and now I, I and like, now you're the I feel bad like I'm playing I feel like I'm playing spades and I don't want to renege. you know what I mean I feel like I'm in the game now I'm in the game so you I gotta commit
0: now you're gonna be a I bad friend
1: yeah you know, I can't start throwing out hearts when I said I ain't had no hearts you feel me I can't be renigging out here so I gotta I gotta stay the course
0: mm, okay <laughs> good luck with that
2: we are in february which is our favorite month because it is black history month hey, hey pew, pew, pew. so yes. as you know we got four lovely black female physicians here and actually yesterday was national women's physicians uh, day but actually tomorrow february 8th is national black women's physicians day and i i think i did this last year but i just want to Know kind of rejog your memory. So this day is actually in honor of Rebecca Lee Crumpler, who was the first Black physician in the United States. So she actually graduated from the New England Female Medical College in 1864 and actually wrote the book, A Book of Medical Discourses, which talks about infantile bowel um, diseases and actually was a very good uh, discourse for how to treat those during that time. But you know, she actually did pave the way for a lot of uh, black female positions in the field. And honestly, you know, without those, you know, early pioneers, we literally would not be here today. Um, so we are in a very privileged position, you know, due to their past work and their sacrifices for us to get to this point. So just wanted to like, take a little time in our trending topics to kind of give homage to that. So, yeah.
4: Does anybody have the book? A book of medical discourses? No, no, I don't have it.
2: No, I do not.
4: I just realized I don't have the book. I think you need to buy it.
2: It's like it's like a manuscript. So it's very I mean, you could probably find it. I mean, on like everything, you could probably find it on Amazon, but it's like a manuscript of like all her um all her works with that, you know, um with that disease. But I'm I'm pretty sure you could find it there. Right. I don't I don't necessarily
4: I'm not buying it to read it but I'm buying it to own it
1: a moment to just emphasize the importance of mental health. Um, and I'm talking about the suicide of Miss USA, um, Mm. which everyone has, I, I mean, I feel like if you watch the news or if you're on social media, I'm sure you've heard about it, but, um, I think it's just, it's just another reminder that you don't really know what people are going through. And, um, for those that don't know, she was Miss USA, like, recently not even like oh like she's she's young young beautiful successful all the things recently interviewed denzel washington she was working on like you know being a news reporter for extra the whole thing and um uh, she committed suicide and passed away and uh, i think that she had posted on social media shortly right before that i don't follow her on social media so i don't know what the post was but apparently she made a post and i don't think it was any type of post that was like eerie and people can look deeper into it it was kind of just like a Highlighting what she was doing, happy-go-lucky, typical post that she would normally do, and then she passed away, like, two days after that. Um, so this is just my chance to remind you guys that mental health is important, and if you're going through something, you definitely should call a suicide hotline if you're feeling actively suicidal. Tell your doctor. Tell someone you love. Tell someone you care about. We're here for you, and, um, you know, ultimately, we just say everybody, we want everyone to be healthy, physically and mentally. That's all.
0: Um, it's a good point that you brought that up on uh- When you said that, I was Mm -hmm. looking, I'm trying to say, I think it was on, uh, I did scroll through Instagram for a little bit and I fell on this, I think it was an old post that Kirk Franklin did and I listened to his video and he was basically just saying, like, just talking about, like, uh, highlighting mental health issues and then he said something that I I felt kind of resonated to me and he was just like, it's okay to not be okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And I think a lot of times is like, mm-hmm. we don't, we, you hear that, but do you really hear that, that it's okay to not be okay? Cause like, and he was saying it's okay to not be okay, but what it's not okay is not like acknowledging it or help finding help or, you know, trying to work through it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's crazy because I think a lot of times, especially in suicide, um it's it's hard because you never know you always think that, oh, maybe if I did something or they talked to them or maybe I would have known, but a lot of times they hide it, right, so you don't know what's happening like they they're saying everything's fine and they're happy, and they put on this face, and it's kind of like you don't know
4: a lot of people's depression is functional right we we talk about it all the time that. And, and, you know, I, I feel like I explain this in my clinic sometimes, too, because I think the, the stereotypical picture of depression and what depression is for most people, it looks very different, right? The Hollywood version, in the shower, you know, crying while the, you know, while the, the shower water, you know, runs and mixes with your tears while you sit on the bare floor, but naked. See, it's so dramatic, but it's not really what depression looks like. Um, most people are going to work. They are finishing tasks. They are coming home. Sometimes they're feeding a family. They have spouses. They have significant others. They are seeing those people. They are engaging. And then when the world is quiet or when nobody's looking, they are just exhausted, right? They're feeling slow. They're moving in slow motion. They feel guilt about feeling so bad. They've got irritability. They've got poor sleep quality. They've got poor focus, poor concentration, the whole thoughts of killing themselves or hurting themselves or hurting others for most people becomes one part. And to be honest with you, it's my experience that most people are having passive ideations. I'm catching them two days after they had the thought of hurting themselves or hurting others, or yeah, with something that kind of comes and goes and it's almost never an active ideation in the office. And so, um, when you kind of lay it all out into a really try to educate people like, Hey, you know, this is what depression looks like. And that's just what it is, right? It's depression. And to kind of normalize it, this just happens, right? Like I think, I think almost every single person at some point in their lifetime will have a bout of depression. It doesn't mean that you're going to stay depressed, but everybody's going to have a moment where they probably meet the clinical definition of, depressed. For some people, it'll be passing. For some people, it'll be longer. But I've, I wish people understood that to be diagnosed with depression or to be underdiagnosed um, is okay. You just got to acknowledge it. And if you need help, then you got to express that.
2: Um, and hopefully somebody answers the call. And then I, I think we said this kind of multiple times, like on earlier podcasts, um, that, you know, physical health and mental health are, you know, one and the same, you can't have one without the other. Um, so in an ideal world, everyone would have their primary care doctor, and they would also have sessions with their therapist. And that is something that we're trying to destigmatize, you know, in the US, because, Honestly, being here, if you show any sort of mental illness or, you know, that is that is equated with a sign of weakness. And that is not the case. Um, everyone goes like what Amy Jo MD, Dr. Chris, Dr. Sunshine just said. Everyone has these bouts and that is completely normal. And sometimes it gets to the point where you can't deal with it on your own. And that is perfectly OK. Um, so I I also think we highlighted the. Um, Uh, the therapist, the Therapy for Black Girls, um, which also has a very large uh, psychiatry and psychology network um, national-wide. So if you do need to find a therapist through that route, that is a great place to start. Um, But, you know, don't wait until your, you know, things become unmanageable and you start having those thoughts. You know, start now. You know, that's not something that you need to wait until things get really bad. That is just like what we do with preventative medicine. This is preventing, you know, your your mental state from getting to a point of no return. So um, make that appointment, you know, don't delay. Insurance plans do cover that. Um, so don't worry about that and kind of get in to see someone as soon as you can.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And this is, I think, also... It's, it's already been kind of like a movement to talk more about mental health and things like that, but especially in the black community, because you got to remember um, Chesley Chris was one of the three winners in the same year. Cause we had a black Miss USA, which was her. We had a black Miss universe and we also had a black teen USA and they were all over oh. the, they were all over all the magazines mm-hmm. of everywhere because that was the first mm-hmm. time we ever had three representatives in the same year for all these different competitions. And, uh, like I, I think that this hits home to what Amy Joe was saying, which is that depression can take many different forms. Because she was really ambitious and really wanted, she was involved in all types of nonprofits, working as a reporter. Like she was involved in so many different things, and she was super, super ambitious. And I think that that's not the typical picture that you think would be painted for someone that is depressed and really going through mm-hmm. it. Especially based on her social media posts, which is a whole another thing we could talk about. Which is you know how social media can be. The highlight reel when you feel great during the day on that particular day but that's not actually what's going on behind the scenes and you know i'm just saying it just hits on what amy joe was saying it can come in different forms so take heed as to what dr nona was saying and all the different resources there are and if you need it or if you know someone that needs it you know give them the resources and hopefully you can save life you never know you know yeah
0: Hello, my name is Dr. Kanisha Hall, and I am an anesthesiologist. Hi, my name is Dr. Sonia Sloan, and I'm an orthopedic surgeon. My name is Dr. Siri Press, and I am an internal medicine hospitalist. We could not be who we are today without the pioneer Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler. Dr. Crumpler was the first Black woman physician in the United States. She graduated in 1864 from the New England Female Medical College. Less than 3% of physicians in the US are black women. We have work to do. We are three black women physicians who set out on a mission to recognize Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler as a trailblazer for black women in medicine. We thank Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee for acknowledging our joint efforts with the United States Congressional Proclamation declaring February 8th as National Black Women Physicians Day.
2: Celebrate with us.
0: Her story is our story.
2: Keep making, making black, black history.
0: history. I
1: well, do have well, stuff. Amy, jo, Amy has the actual, actual topic. topic, so Yes.
4: <laughs> I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alright. So listen, it's February, right? And I know that Somewhere in December, we were making all these New Year's resolutions. Girl, you know what? COVID is not going to hold me back. It's going to be a hot girl summer 2022. I'm about to lose 50 pounds in the month of January, but January has come and gone up. 50 pounds is still on you. I feel it, girl. Mm. Listen, I'm looking at your weights, and I did it. So I figured that would be a good time to kind of tra- transition into weight loss medications because um, New Year's resolutions don't have to die in February. Um, But I think it's really important to talk about because uh, I think it starts at primary care. So it's kind of a cool topic to bring up. um, And it's just a cool topic for people to know what their options are, because I find that a lot of people are asking for just help in general. um, And they're not really sure what they're asking for. And they're trying to find something in between get my waist snatched, 90 day challenge to, Surgery, right? And so there are things in between those extremes. So I want to just talk a little bit about just weight loss medications. Things you can try that aren't, you know, something you found on YouTube versus can you send me to Houston so I can get yelled at by Doctor Now? Yes. <laughs> I
3: love you know? Oh my god! I insane.
4: know, I know, he's my man. No so he <laughs> would be based um, in Houston.
1: You know that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> they big out there. Yes. No shade, oh I love God. Houston, but y'all run big. I noticed that as soon as I touched down.
4: <laughs> so, you know, so one of the things I need people to know is that and is that weight loss isn't simply just stop eating less and losing weight, right? There actually can be a lot of factors that go into why someone is, you know holding on to weight. And we've talked about it a little bit. It can be medications. It can be disease processes. But to speak specifically to a, an area that we don't talk about, you know, there are hunger signals that the body is, is made of that kind of control um, whether you are feeling full or whether you are feeling the need to eat again. And we know that in in obesity, significant obesity, some of these hormone signals get confused or your body stops listening to the hormones and the proteins the way they should. So I'm just going to list some of them right now. We are primary care y'all. We are not obesity specialists, but a part, you know, more and more obesity is becoming a bigger part of, you know, what I manage from day to day and it's impacting everything. So it's important. I think it's really important to know, and it's going to become, you know, no differently than, no different than um, diabetes, 40 years ago, being something that you really only saw managed in endocrinology to something that you talk about every day in primary care. And so obesity is the same way. So let's talk about a few hormones, right? So there is like, there's ghrelin, right? Mm-hmm. I remember this from medical schools because I used to, the only way I could keep track of when I was studying for my test, <laughs> I'd be like, my stomach be <laughs> <That> grilling, <laughs> <laughs> My stomach be ghrelin. So, ghrelin is a is a hormone. It actually makes you increase your um, food intake, right? And so, it, it participates in the reward cognition and and glucose uh, modification like cycle. So, your ghrelin increases. You eat. You feel good, right? And so, we think that um, a part of Severe obesities, morbid obesities, and people who are having a hard time, you know, kind of controlling your appetite, people who do a lot of binge eating and stuff like that have a really bad relationship with their ghrelin. Like their ghrelin is on 10, okay? And your reward centers keep kind of giving you this, you know, feedback profile. mm mm-hmm that is not healthy. So ghrelin should also be balanced with some other hormones. One of them is leptin, right? So ghrelin and leptin kind of become one of those common two hormones we talk about when you're trying to talk about the science behind hunger and feeling full with, you know, and so leptin should be the opposite of your ghrelin. And leptin generally gets increased so that you decrease your appetite. And it's in response to eating, like, When you start eating, your leptin should kick on and say, "Okay, that is enough because it's going to slow down the motility of your stomach. So once you start chewing, the whole stomach turns on. Right. Everybody's moving. It's like a big snake. Ever seen the wave of the game? That is what your (laughs) stomach and your gut is doing. Right. Because it's trying to move it in and move it out. Right. Get those nutrients and then poop out the the trash. And so your leptin is designed to slow that down a little bit because it wants you to feel full. But we know that in obesity, you can develop a resistance to your leptin, so you stop listening to it, which means that your appetite never decreases. And that's how we think people get into the habit of like overeating, right? Like, I I don't know why I can't stop. I'm just always hungry. I'm just always hungry. So you see it in obesity. Um, You see it in some um, cognitive disorders. Um, There are a few... um, Uh, genetic disorders where people tend to like always feel the need to eat. And so you're always battling with their hunger sensation. And we think that leptin is one of them that might be it, but you are right to think that your body is also either helping you, helping you maintain your goals or your body also could be in a situation that it
1: could be sabotaging. You know, what's interesting. It's, it's adjacent. It's adjacent to what you're talking about, but it just came into my mind. Have you guys seen this commercial on TV? And it's like a, it's, it blew me that there was a commercial about this, but in the commercial, it's a teenager. It's a little Latina girl. And the commercial takes her through all these different settings of family members putting food on her plate. And then they're like, Hmm. oh, you should eat more. Like, oh, you should eat. Don't you want more? And she was like, oh, I think I'm full. They're like, no, no, no. You can always have more. They're offering her like another, another tamale because it's a Latina girl. Food is like a lot of their culture revolves around food and that's the way that they show love is by making food. But the end of the commercial, it was an ad for pressured eating and how sometimes people Hmm. when they're full that their family members around them don't acknowledge the fact that they're saying that they're full. They see it as being offensive. If you say, Oh no, I don't want another piece of this or, Oh no, I don't want that because culturally that's seen as offensive, which Hmm. is why there's a prevalence of obesity in the Latino community because it's it's pressured eating and shame. What I'll send it to you guys. Or maybe we can have Nono. That's interesting. And I'll put a link to it. But it was it was like a different take on you know obesity and why it happens and why it's so hard for people to when they actually do make the conscious effort of doing what Amy Jo said and being like, hey, like no, like I'm trying to listen to my lesson. I am full, but <laughs> everyone around them right. is like, but you can have another tamale, right? Like you 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 can have another, can, can't you? Yeah. Can't you? Your your abuela yeah. your abuela made it yeah, she made I, I it that, can, can't you, can and, you have another and
4: one and if your abuela made it then you gotta take it right, right. right. Like she I, came I she
1: came from the other side of town she brought these tamales just for you to yeah. say you don't want any tamales and it's a lot of it's a lot I of mean that's
2: doubt. a that's a rinse and repeat of a lot of cultures you know mm-hmm. not not just in the U S like I know Italians uh, Africans um, Asian culture like if your mom or your family makes you food. And they put it in your plate. It is a sign of very high disrespect to not refuse to refuse that food, um, because they took the time to make it for you. And if you don't eat it, then that is a very big sign of disrespect. So, yeah, I, I've I've never seen that commercial aired over here though. So it's
1: really it's really uh, good. It came it came out when I was watching like Hulu or something. But either way, I'll send it to you guys, and we might even provide you guys with the link. But I think it was just another take on. Just just basically highlighting another form of how obesity can come about, yeah
0: i mm-hmm. I think I've even I think I've even mentioned this in previous podcasts before that I mean, especially Haitian American culture like growing up like I always say like you grow up super confused, you don't know what you're supposed to do because before they tell you, oh, you gotta eat, oh you didn't eat enough, they put more food, and then when they see that you're gaining too much weight, oh, you're eating too much, and now they shame you for eating, but you're like. But you put this on my plate. Like, you just grow up so confused. You <laughs> not know what you're supposed to do, right? And it's all cultural thing because, you know, especially a lot of these Caribbean islands, like, depending on how their family grew, if they did, uh, grew up, if they didn't have food, right? It's kind of like, now that they can, this is what they can provide for you, right? So it's like, we didn't have food. So you got food. So you got to eat the food, right? Because you can't waste mm-hmm. food, right? Mm-hmm. But then it's just like, and then they're like, well, if you're too skinny, that's a problem, right? Because then you'll be sickly. But then when you get too big, then it's a problem, right? So it's kind of like you don't know mm-hmm. right. where to go, right? And I always feel like with obesity, a lot of times it's, you know, we grow up with, we grow up learning how to eat. And then by the, and it's kind of like you go to the doctor and you learn that, the way they taught you how to eat was like totally wrong and you have to like try to fix it. (laughs) You know, it's crazy. And, but I'm with you, but
1: that's how we end up here in this conversation because usually once the patients realize like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm really trying to make a change. And then they start trying, right. They try to exercise. They're trying to do things and they end up in our office. They end up in Amy Joe's office. Like, Hey, what are my options? How can I, how can I get, how can I accomplish my goal? How do I do this? which is where the weight loss medications come mm-hmm. in because it is an option. It, I mean, because, <laughs> because it mm-hmm. is an option. And a lot of times, especially in my office, I've had some patients that were really, really working their butts off. They were like, yo, I recognize this as a problem. I'm trying to change the things I'm exercising. I'm doing these things and they, they can't get a, it can't, they can't budget.
4: So that, so there's a general approach that I think a lot of us take, you know, when we're talking about like weight loss in the outpatient setting. And so, you know, one of the first things is like identify cause, like, do we know why you Mm -hmm. are, are not gaining weight, um, or losing weight? And so even though I know a lot of people will say, I don't know why I'm not losing weight, Mm -hmm. but that ain't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, let's talk about your history. Let's talk about how you eat. Let's talk about all these things and let's see if we can figure out, you know, um, a cause for me, a lot of that is Let's food journal? I want a four-week food journal. If you eat it, you write it down. If you eat on accident, you write it down. If you walk past and taste it, you write it down. Um, let's say somebody ate it. And after much investigation, mm-hmm. the only person who could have possibly eaten it was you. Then you go ahead and write that down. <laughs> like, let's just kind of see, you know, what those are, right? And so let's first see if we can find a cause. Let's talk about nutrition, Let's talk about exercise. Let's try to implement some behavioral changes, which can mean a lot of different things, right? So, you know, if we if we find that it's depression or anxiety that's doing it, then let's get you into some talk therapy to see we can manage the depression or anxiety. If it's um if it's workload stress, if it's something like that, you know, can we can we get you you know into you know work management? Can we get you to talk to HR, talk to your boss about you know? Um, some work-life ba- work balances we can do. And then after we do all of those things, I want all those things to be in place and then try to do some medication management. Because the experience is, is that if I throw the medicines at you first, then we have not had any conversations about all this other stuff, it's gonna be a fail, right? You can eat through every tool out there for weight loss, whether that be surgery Medicines, Mm -hmm. uh, hypnosis therapies, you know, 90 day get your waist snatched, you know, 10 day smoothie challenges. You can eat through any success you have in any of those, even as they all individually can give you significant success, Mm -hmm. very
2: true. So you know. Yeah. that's that's a really
0: good I'm point a... that you made because I always tell my patients, any patient that I put on medication, I'm like, um, if we're gonna put you on a medication, you got to learn how to eat right. And I think the the main thing is we gotta have the good healthy habits, right? And mm-hmm. because you know, the the medication we could use as an adjunct as a tool to help, right? But then you're I mean, when we get off the medication, then what do we do? Right. Because if we didn't change our behavior, then we go right back to where we started.
4: Yeah. And because, you know, most people, you know, I think the behavior changes become a big deal because like we were talking earlier, like so ghrelin and leptin, like, you know, we know that in, in a lot of cases, people who are like battling obesity have resistance to their leptin. So for some reason, a chemical thing has happened and you're no longer listening to the thing that's supposed to be decreasing your appetite. And maybe that's because over years, you've been eating through your leptin signal, which is probably what's happening. And so now we don't have that safeguard in place. And so we've got to figure out what was triggering that. Because a lot of people, you know, after they talk about it, after they come back and they've had some time to brainstorm it, will say, I'm really just, I, I'm just eating because it's 12 o'clock and I have decided that at 12 o'clock it's a time to eat. Forget that I ate at 30. Or at 1140, I looked at the clock and the clock said 12. And so I was eating or I always eat every time, you know, such and such is in the building because, you know, it's just easier than asking them to do something like we have got to put those together. Because most of the time, the behavior changes have got to come first to figure out why you eat, why you overeat. More importantly, everybody's got to eat. But why are you overeating or why are you eating in a way that goes against the deal you made with yourself at the beginning of the week?
2: Yeah. So, no, I mean, with that, that's why, I mean, this is kind of like the part two to the talk that Dr. Chris did a few weeks Mm -hmm. earlier. Um, So this is usually why there's usually a psychologist evaluation before you undergo any sort of weight loss surgery. Um, And they usually kind of talk about more about habits and kind of like behaviors that surround when you eat. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of this behavior can be due to habit. So like what Amy Jo MD said, like, if you're used to eating at like 12 o'clock and you just ate 1130, but, you know, your body's releasing that signal that, oh, you know, I need to eat now, even though you just ate, um, that is a signal that that is something that we need to break that habit of. And that is something that a evaluation that's done before you undergo any sort of, you know, weight loss surgery or weight loss plan to see if, um, you know, you know, with how we can, you know, better help you lose the weight in the, in the long run. So Habits are a very powerful thing. Um, we kind of just brush it out and say, "Oh, you know, it's just you know out of habit, blah, blah blah." But when you've been doing that for months, for years, for decades, you know, and you're now coming into a position where the, your doctor's telling you, "Oh, you need to stop all that. Um, we need to do this like now." It's it's a very hard habit to break, um, and you know that is something that we are cognizant of, and that we will help you kind of help you break going forward to help you lose that weight and Mm -hmm. keep it off in the future.
4: Now I know some of y'all are wondering like, well, who gets to qualify for, for medications? And so there's really two categories and it's quite simple. I I know we talked about um, the BMI requirements for uh, surgery for weight loss surgery before. And that is um, 35 with comorbidities or 40 and higher with nothing else going on for medication management. It's a little different. So for, for medication management, a BMI of 30 and more, which categorizes categorizes as obese, um, is good enough to have a conversation about weight loss. And then, um, a BMI greater than 27 with two comorbidities, um, There are some people they do, you know, waist circumference or or body fat percentages, but those are the general rules. Now, I will say that um, this gets a little complicated and it probably depends on who you're asking. Right. So we know that the BMI is not the best tool. And generally I stop fooling people that are 20 anything. So once you're 29, like I don't really um, initiate uh, a lot of weight loss medications because to me. By the time your BMI is 29, you've kind of figured out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. It doesn't mean that you're having a perfect, like you've got a perfect system and you never see any weight, you know, fluctuations. But I think you've got a pretty good idea of where your limitations are, what you can and cannot do and when you need to get back on the back on the path. So I don't know that every single practice is going to uh be invested in a BMI of 27 or less with two comorbidities, unless they're significant and we see some some need to really push you down into the 24 to 18 category, which is a normal BMI range. But that's really hard for people to stay in, especially those that have been battling obesity. And so just to, to be completely transparent, um, 29 is really where I kind of cut it off and say, hey, if you had a 29, then I don't think I need to aggressively start medicating you to maintain a 29 mm-hmm. or less. I, but that just may be me. I don't know how everybody else does it. Yeah.
0: I, I I agree with you. I I have a conversation um with them um over when you're when we're hitting like 30 and more. I'm definitely it's a it's a it's a different kind of conversation. It's like we really got to do something mm-hmm. about this. Like what what's our plan? Like You
1: know what? You know I agree with you my approach is super flexible like it's 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 become more flexible the longer I practice because usually because during the physical um mm-hmm. at least at the last place that I worked so at the last place that I worked the weight and the scale was actually in the in the room with me so like you know the nurses and stuff would do the vitals and stuff and I have the scale in my okay. room with me so usually while I'm doing the physical mm. I ask them like hey, can you step on the scale for me and then it's kind of set up that way so that you can talk to them about their BMI if you want to. And it's just part of the physical. So usually as they're walking to the scale, they already have something to say. <laughs> and they'll be like, all right, doc, so I'm going to step on the scale. Yeah, <laughs> Right. They're already, they're already out there.
0: What happened
1: was. I just listened. Yeah. they be like, hey, doc, I mean, I know it's February, but, you know, I've been slipping since, like, November. And I'm like, okay, I i get it you know yeah. so sometimes they initiate it if they don't initiate it if i want to be gentle with it i'll be like hey your bmi is this today so how do you feel about your weight is this close to your baseline like let's say i never met them before nothing in the chart right i'm like so how do you feel about your weight? Is this close to your baseline and they'll be like actually it's not this is my journey and we talk about it now there are some people blatantly confident i think that chris and amy joe have met these people we're like blatantly overweight get on the scale bmi out the wazoo and they don't they they are unfazed
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. unfazed
1: Mm -hmm. just like this is just another Mm -hmm. day This, this is just you know i'm just living bmi 40 50 something just living right and then i'm like hey your weight is this today this is your bmi um and then i have to have a more pointed conversation which is I'm your doctor, I know you have these comorbidities, you have high blood pressure, you have high cholesterol, you have diabetes, boom, boom, boom. Where are we on your weight journey? And that's kind of an open-ended question for them to say, well, I'm not doing anything. And I'd be like, okay, well, what do we have to do to get you get you on a regimen? How, how are we feeling? That's kind of like more, it's, yeah. more, it's more pointed. But I do understand that in some doctor's offices, some of y'all don't have the scales in the room with you. Sometimes the, the scales are over there with the nurses where they do the blood pressures and all that. So I know sometimes you guys don't get that opportunity to be like, hey, so te- step on that scale for me. What are we looking at? Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people will either voluntarily talk about their weight or if they don't, I can either nudge or I can have a pointed conversation. So yeah. if, if, it fluctuates. Yeah, yeah. If you're my patient and I've been seeing you and you have- comorbidities out the
2: wazoo we're having a pointed conversation
4: yeah Mm -hmm.
2: that's that's a that's a given so when you're being admitted for those comorbidities out the wazoo that have gone out of whack and now you're in the hospital for it you know and i look through like the notes and there's not really any you know i i kind of sometimes i get people that you know they really haven't had a, a, a good conversation about, you know, potential weight loss options or, you know, um, referrals to like lifestyle management or bariatric clinics here in the city. So, you know, I, I just kind of, you know, bring it up in in passing when I'm doing the history, I'm like, Hey, so, you know, what are we, what are we doing for the weight? You know, you have a lot of these, you're coming in for this, this, and this, this is all, this can all be, you know, uh, pointed back to, you know, the, the weight that you're carrying. So kind of what are your, your thoughts on, you know, uh, handling this, you know, once we get these under control. And a lot of people are very honest and, you know, they say, yeah, doc, you know, I just haven't, a lot of things have been coming up at home. I just haven't been, you know, uh, you know, good with it. I haven't been on my regimen, but I am, you know, motivated to get, you know, get it taken care of. Um, and I'm like, all right, bet, you know, so we can, we can get this set up once we get your diabetes, your high blood pressure, your sleep apnea, all this other stuff under control, then we can, get you you to the right clinic so that we can continue to manage this once you get out of the hospital. And they're usually pretty good with that.
1: I was also going to say that one thing that I do notice, like a quick trend I did notice is just that. This conversation comes up a lot more with women in my office than men in my office. And I don't know, a, a lot of women who do come to me and ask about the weight loss meds, they come to me asking about meds that they've either heard circulating through their circles, like, hey, I have a friend on this medication, can I give that a try? Or they come asking me about these different diets, like, hey, doc, I'm thinking about doing keto, which we talked about before. Um in terms of like the keto diet and stuff like that pros and cons. So I feel like I've had this conversation with women way more often than men, but that might just be the clinic and where I was at at the time. I don't know. Maybe you guys have conversations about weight loss meds with men and women equally. Maybe, I don't know, but you might be right. I, you know, I can't remember anymore. I do feel like
4: maybe I find myself initiating the conversation with men a little bit more to say, Hey, just so you know, we've got a, we've got a BMI problem. um, mm-hmm versus women tend to kinda already be a little bit more forthcoming. So I ask so one of the things I do ask for, I ask for twenty four re I do twenty four recalls all the time. Almost everybody gets twenty four recall. And that triggers and because I do them for everyone, I might be getting a more even number because once I start doing it, they're like, Oh damn, if you had asked me about any other day except for yesterday, you know, it would have been good. And I'm like, (laughs) likely story. Like and I have to remind them like uh, I see your BMI. So whatever you're going to tell me is probably pretty consistent with that. And so we're going to have to, you know, just kind of work through it. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's pretty even. But I think because I triggered the question first, I beat them to the punch on
0: if they're going to have to talk about it or not. Yeah, mm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's necessarily more men than women. I, I think in general, more women go to the doctor than men anyway.
1: So uh, That
0: is true. Look so at I you, think, Dr.
1: Chris bias you're right look at you yeah because like
0: our women and the men are going in there because they're you know men are there because something's wrong right (laughs) and they go for something right because something is wrong but a lot of times they're not very concerned about their weight right and i bring it up because it's a significant weight like i bring it up because it's like hey you got all these other things going on but if you know you don't want to take medication but if you get this weight off, you know, it, it's kind of yeah. like in a way. Sometimes I have to do bargaining, right? Because it's like <laughs> they're like, "Oh, but I'm on all these meds, and I don't want to be on these meds." But I'm like, "But if you lose the weight, then maybe you wouldn't have to." Just be on maybe, these meds. right? Right? Just and maybe. Then, and then because I do that, then in a sense, it they weren't thinking about it, but now they're like, "Oh, okay," mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I also,
2: when I, when I get, you know, uh, women that are admitted to the hospital, with like, you know, really big or BMIs that are like just off the charts, you know, they, they, they seem more troubled about it when I talk, when I talk to them more so than, um, you know, the male counterpart. And I don't know if that has to do something with more of like an image that we have, that we have portrayed here in the U.S. that the women's supposed to be more sleek and more feminine and. You know, the European ideal of how a woman is supposed to look here in the U.S., um, and they have more added pressures that kind of go with that. But that's not to say that, you know, men aren't feeling that same pressure to look like to have a six pack or 12-pack abs. I don't know what they're counting anymore. Um, you know, the, the abs. like Right. It's abs, know. not beer, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and also like the, you know, the muscular physique. So I think men are also under that same pressure, but given that I think women are more vocal about what, you know, what these issues are um, more so than men. I think you hear about it more from your uh, female patients than you would from men. But that's not to say that that added pressure isn't still there for them to lose weight, and I just think one of them is more likely to come to you with that issue than the other than the other sets. So that's a thought. You know,
4: the one thing I have to remind myself of is that. Well, one there's two things. One, I have gotten better at initiating weight loss management. Is it in a chronic disease management mind frame, mm-hmm. mind frame y'all it's late yeah the mindset. Mindset. thank mindset. you mindset oh, I got um uh, <laughs> i
0: got you i, got you. I was <laughs> like mind,
4: mind frame that sounds frame. so interesting, no, I'm I'm so interesting. it <laughs> did sound good though
0: it like, did sound mind good frame
4: though. mindset i liked it um, well. <laughs> and then um being in the south i have to keep resetting my norm so that i don't adjust it for the environment. And so even though I was talking about the 29 and everything kind of remembering that you can talk about weight loss management when the BMI turns 30 kind of keeps me honest because, um, I, at this point have, you know, seen in, in the, in the U S population, lots of BMIs of 50, 60s, 70s that, the 30s and the 40s are now starting to seem normal. And so knowing the literature and knowing that the literature says, no, a BMI of 30 and higher warrants discussions about obesity management just kind of keeps me honest. And so I think maybe that also is kind of helping because I, I feel like I'm at the point now where when you look around the United States and if somebody has an, an estimated BMI of about 30. They look regular to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it,
1: especially in the South,
4: girl, well, for you. sure.
0: And I think another thing too is I'm I've noticed there's some people like when they have that BMI of like thirty, it a lot of times they're like, oh, well, no one really talked to me about it, right? Like they don't have a focus of obesity as a problem at a BMI of thirty. They really kind of go at oh, when it's forty and more, then okay, yeah, we have to our algorithm um, pops up and we really have to do something. And I felt like for me, I, I definitely wanted to be different. And cause I mean, we're in the, we're in the business of preventative, right? So like having the conversation, starting the conversation early on, as opposed to way later, I feel like I could start an intervention early before you get to that part, to that point. Right. Um, so like the public health thing, right. Instead of doing, you know, the, it's working at the downstream effect instead of upstream you know like yep. trying to trying to start at the beginning and i i try to do that and i put emphasis on that just because we know like what with, with obesity you know it just increases your risk of other so other, uh, other things right and things yeah. to just make it it could just get worse right so why don't we we're in the business of preventing preventing things, right? Especially when you come for your annual, right? You come to your annual, why do you come? Oh, I want to get checked out, make sure that I'm doing well. So this is the time. So let's talk about it, right? Let's do something now. I agree. And and, uh, I think one thing that I've done that I feel like that has helped is that I, I tell them, hey, so what's your plan? What do you want to do? Oh, well, you know, I'm going to eat better and I'm going to start exercising. And then I write it down. And I said, okay, you said you're going to exercise. When? T- tomorrow? Sure. It's in the, it's in there. So I'm holding <laughs> you accountable, right? Because this is what you said, Yeah. right? You said you're going to start doing this, right? And then a lot of times you talk about it in your annual and the next time you see the doctor, you see the doctor in a year. No, 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 no. You're going to see me in a couple more months. A couple months, right? Because you said that you're going to start. And I, And I tell them, yeah. I wrote it. So, when you come back, I'm gonna ask you, did you do this? That's
4: true. And I think a lot of people's experiences that they don't get brought back for obesity, right? right? So, right. let's say they have an annual exam and their blood pressure was good, their cholesterol was overall stable. Maybe there were some elevated numbers, but nothing to write home about. They don't have diabetes, everything feels good, they don't have any aches or pains, or anything like that, but they have a BMI of 39. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people's experiences that, they just see their doctor again in a year for the next exam. And so one of the things that, you know, I'm trying to do more and more is say, no, we need to bring you back. Now, some of that is not a doctor's fault. So before y'all are out there yeah. in these streets, like, is my doctor fault I'm, you know, fluffy? Mm-hmm. No, No, it's no. that you also have to justify <laughs> the billing codes for these things. Right. So yes. as much as I want to bring you in and talk about stuff. I've got to justify the billing code, which means that you've got to make sure that you're documenting the management of obesity in a way that your your insurance that you have chosen for yourself is not going to say, hey, Dr. Chris, uh, I mean, I think it's a novel idea that you brought this person back to talk about their weight, but this is not enough to to bill. And so... This is a wasted visit, so you can't get anything from this. And as much as I love y'all, I still got to be able to bill, right? I got a boss, I got people that I got to answer to, and so I can't just be out here just bringing you in just because. But I think the introduction to you know more conversations, even if it's patient initiated to say, "Hey, can I try a medication?" Like I'm aware this medication is out there, can I try it? I think will prompt. You know, just better time served for those appointments, and also give you the opportunity to say, well, "Yeah, this kind of appointment is this next appointment is going to be a weight management appointment because we are just here to talk about your weight. We're just here to, to read your food journals. We're just here to talk about you know any inhibiting factors and see what medication we need next or titrate the medication you're already on."
1: I have a lot of respect for you and Dr. Chris because I'm very aware that a lot of times when you practice in the south. You guys are even talking to people about their weight almost feels like you're breaking bad news all the time because there's yeah. lots of people. There's mm-hmm. lots of people in the South because when you big and your mom big, your daddy big, cousins big, everybody you're around is the same size as you. So then when they actually they don't they don't feel like they're overweight because everyone they're around is the same. Everyone's on the same playing field. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like Amy Joe was saying, that doesn't mean that that playing field is normal. That's mm-hmm. not the normal playing field. You guys are just on a different one. And mm-hmm. So then when they go into the doctor and your doctor's like, hey, you're like, you're, you're overweight. You're in the category as, you know, as being obese. So sometimes it's like, oh my goodness, what do you mean I'm obese? Like sometimes even the word obese is like, yes. it's mm-hmm. like, it's very dramatic. And it's like, but you, but as a physician, you're looking at them like, you don't know you obese? Like, what do you mean? Like, yes. <laughs> just, because mm-hmm. because sometimes it's very apparent but then once you start treating the whole family and you meet their sister, their mom, their dad like and a lot of times in the south fluffy people have fluffy kids mm-hmm. and it's just a whole it's just a whole it's a it's a mm-hmm. guess So a lot of credit goes to you and Dr. Chris, because I know the two of you in Southern states much more than, and I noticed it being in California because I'm like, where are the fluffy patients? Because I don't (laughs) see as many, and I'm used to that. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, all right, bet. Bet." I mean, they're there, but not in the same percentage that I used to see in Chicago, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that the two of you have had an increase since leaving Chicago, Mm -hmm. so... And it's so or interesting. i even, even stayed the same. Or even stayed the same. Yeah, I probably either stayed the same or increased. I think oh, I've yeah. increased. Yeah, I, I, think I, I think I've
4: I think I've increased. I think um uh, uh
1: excuse me no no Chicago is not like picture perfect weight in terms of the, the states so no I'm saying increase
2: of- increase I mean uh, I'm not saying Chicago okay. don't have fluffy people I, we, uh, okay. I'm
1: gonna of- say Chicago got fluffy people too well, the south <laughs>
2: is undefeated in terms of the number <laughs> of fluffy people uh, by far so I, I cannot compete with that at all
0: so, I, okay. I think it also really depends where in the south you are yeah <laughs> that is true that's a very big thing and you know yeah I I do. I do feel that since I have had since I've um, moved out here down south, I've gotten better at weight management than I was in Chicago, for sure, because I just I talk about it way more Um, in the beginning. I mean, I've become more comfortable with initiating Mm -hmm. weight management therapies uh, now than I ever have before, just because it's just something I talk about all the time. Yeah, I also have the the, I
4: have the I have the insurance liberty to talk about. That's another thing,
0: too. Um, Yes. So
4: I think one of the things that, you know, happens when you are practicing underserved urban medicine is that nobody's insurance covers it. Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody's uninsured, underinsured or Medicaid, Medicare. And those uh, four groups don't often get a lot of coverage. Now, I will say that and we'll talk about them in a minute, that there are some medicines that you can still prescribe to those people. Um, and, but that did not become, you know, the focus until I, I moved. So until I got mm-hmm. out of out of my mm-hmm. training and got here, where there was just a, a little bit more room, just a different philosophy, just a different approach on what they were expecting uh, to discuss, um, in addition to, you know, the chronic diseases. So
1: you gonna tell us about these meds? Mm-hmm. Yes.
4: So, and so here's some general thoughts about it because I think the trend of how we think about medicines is changing a little bit um, in healthcare. So we used to think of medications as this temporary thing we'll put you on until you got better. And then we could take you off and keep going. But more and more, the the push in in, in medicine, whether that's the AFP or um, think the American American Medicine for American Academy of Obesity Medicine, I don't know what the acronym is, but is to think of medicines for long term use, right? Chronic disease management. Is chronic disease management and whether you're managing hypertension or obesity, you think of I'm gonna keep you on this medicines for as long as it takes to keep these things under control, which was not always the always the trend. Um, so that's the thing, and then of course what I was looking for long term, so let's talk about a few. Um one, I'm gonna start with this fun one because I have a hilarious story. Um, so, one of them is Orlistat. Now, I don't think most people remember Orlastat. There was a version of Orlastat in the Wild Chips. Do y'all remember Wild Chips?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yo.
4: So there were some chips that came out that were supposed to be the new diet chip, right? To control everything. You can Google it. <laughs> can Google it. And, and, um, or, um, uh, what was it called? Uh, Ali, I think it was called. It was oh, the first. Yeah. So wild chips had, um, um, uh, Orlistat in them. And essentially, it's a pancreatic lipase inhibitor. So it kind of prevents you from, you know, absorbing the fats, which was perfect for those of us who love potato chips. I love potato chips. Like, I can't bring potato chips in my house. And so, you know, it's for people like me who... Um, <laughs> Yes. Oh, Okay. Yes. Who, who wanted mm-hmm. to eat chips, but also needed to be able to prevent some of the absorption of fats because, you know, from a nutritional standpoint, there's always the battle of who's the culprit. Is it fats or is it sugars? It goes back and forth. It's really both, but that's another story. Um, so this was developed now. It was highly effective, right? Um, You could use it long term. It wasn't the controlled substance. It was relatively cheap. You could put it on everything. But that was one really large side effect that made this all bad. You would shit your pants. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just and I'm not talking about, oops, you know, I, I turtled or whatever you call it. But, like, you about to have a major accident. Like, you about to be out here in these streets. A whole mess. No pun intended.
2: Yeah, that fart was not a fart.
4: Never trust a fart when you've had wild chips, okay? (laughs) Um, So, I mean, when they first came out, they were, like, all the rage. So, you know, people were getting them. And and you know how people eat potato chips. So when the complaints started coming in, uh, it it was hilarious. The folks was like, yo i'm on a date i ate chips you know i'm, I'm out here eating could you imagine like going that to some guy's house and he like yeah let's have some chips and dips and he then bought some wild doritos and you out here eating them with dip oh no and <laughs> so, about so, so an hour later uh, your stomach is like i'm about to abandon uh, you in this house could you imagine i could imagine
2: thing? the way the company was like but you lost weight though but I'm did you right. lose weight
0: I knew that right. you had the
4: cleanest bathroom, but did you lose weight though? Like, you, you know, know what
0: they would have said? They would have they would have called the customer customer service and they would have got that one person, but why don't you just eat it on the toilet bowl? Right. Oh. <laughs> like, 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 that's where you're gonna have to be. That's where you're gonna be anyway. So these chips were truly like wow. Like, so you know,
4: so that was one. Um, that is not a popular one. You don't need a prescription for that. You never need a prescription about the chips, and you don't need a prescription for all the that. You can actually still find it. Um but pooping is a really bad side effect. So there's that one. Now, here's the one I think we probably all have used or use a lot in this, um, fentramine. Mm-hmm. So um, fentramine is a, a stimulant. um, It is an appetite suppressant. And it really does a good job with decreasing your overall, you know, meal intake and also helps with weight loss. We like it because it's old, y'all. It's been around for over 60 years. Mm-hmm. It is reasonably priced so most people can get this from anywhere from 30 to 50 dollars for a month's supply um and whether your insurance covers it or not it seems to be a good price point for people who really are focused on losing weight we like it um the side of the downside is that it is a controlled substance so you need a prescription for it um because you need a prescription for it and because it's a stimulant it makes uh, doctors uneasy about prescribing it long term, even though um, obesity medicine is pushing for people to do it um, because there's nothing in the literature that says that you cannot do. And they're pushing more and more people to do it. But it just kind of makes people uneasy to keep prescribing you a controlled substance. And so that's what makes it a little bit more difficult. And there are some side effects. You can get some jitteriness and palpitations. Generally, um, for me, I see people. um. Every four weeks for the first three months, because I want to check your blood pressure and your heart rate. And as long as that remains stable, we can start kind of going to a longer term um, uh, prescription. But uh, it's a great medicine, but it's also hard to get a long term prescription for it because doctors care. Right. They want to make sure you're not doing harm. And, and so it
0: makes it makes people nervous. Oh, also, mm-hmm. like if your blood pressure is not well controlled, you don't even really put you them can't, on it. Yeah, you can't because yeah, it's contraindicated, right? Yeah. Well, it's not
4: contraindicated, but well, you know, one of the side effects is that fact. you may
0: have an increase, um, increase in oh. your your blood
4: pressure. So I have in some, you know, some unique cases where we needed to improve blood pressure just as we need to improve obesity just as much as we need to improve your blood pressure i will actively treat your blood pressure right so you have some people that are like hey my blood pressure is kind of right on the borderline ideally this would have been a cool opportunity for us to try lifestyle modifications but i have a very motivated person here in my office they're doing their food journals they're not Mm -hmm. seeing the success they want we really need to get this push their insurance doesn't cover anything else we're gonna treat your blood pressure and we're gonna try fentanyl yeah yeah um, so I have done it. So fin, was fin, f e n fin, p h e n was fenfluoramine slash fentramine. and the finfluramine was the culprit as the drug that was, you know, causing a lot of the um, cardiac uh, yeah. valve problems. So, yeah. finfluramine and dexfinfluramine were the two active ingredients in FinFin that became, you know. What was ultimately caused, and I also think that some of the reasons why fentanyl, you know, becomes a tough sell for some physicians is that they remember fin-fin. and even though the fentanyl was not the culprit, it still gets tied to that. It sounds like fin-fin, right? And so, you know, it makes some people nervous. It makes you know, um, it makes some physicians, some patients nervous. But you know, fin-fin happened a long time ago, and so you know, you know, the younger people who have probably never heard of fenfen. Are getting fentramine, they're like, yeah, it's not the difference. So fentramine is not finfin. Fentramine was in finfin, but fentramine is not finfin. It's still in the market. It's FDA approved and has been around for well over 60 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, that also, um, there's also another one called Cusemia. So cucemia is fentramine topiramate. So they're these combination medications, and it also does a good job at appetite suppressant, weight loss, all those things. Um, but it's uh, its th- this is where the cost starts to come in so adding nutso pyramid in a specific, in a particular dosage which of course you can't order from both of them separately so like um, the companies have gotten really good because they know the common dosages. Of uh, fentamine separately and the common dosages of topiramate separately. Neither of those dosages are in the combo pill, right? And so it was studied at this, it, this unique dosage. And so keucemia is born. It also does a good job with that. It, like um fentamine, um, is been around for a little while, not as not as old as 60 years. But it is a controlled substance, so people still have that to contend with. And it can be a little bit on the costly side. It's about $160 on average for a 30-day supply. Way yeah. different than the $30 to $60 that, you know, mm-hmm. you were going to get for just the fentanyl. Mm-hmm. But it's quite effective, right? And so people like it. Um, the disadvantage here besides the controlled substance is I think uh, the topiramate um, being there, it gives you a, it gives you a pretty uh, significant side effect profile. And that simply means in layman's terms that people have a lot of side effects to it. So, you know, of all the ones you're going to pick, these are the ones people say, oh, I got all these things going on. And it's just the combination of the fentamine and the, and the topiramate. But if you can tolerate it, it becomes one of the more reasonably cost ones and can be quite effective. Contrave. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. Uh, which is uh, two medicines, right? It's called naltrexone and bupropion. Now, most of y'all have heard of bupropion because it's also called Wellbutrin. And Wellbutrin we use for so many things, depression, tobacco um, cessation, and weight loss. Um, it's good with cravings, right? So it's really good with cutting down your cravings so that you don't feel as hungry, and not, which also then leads to overall weight loss, but it's expensive, y'all. It's expensive. Um, Very. The AFP... Um, Uh, Quoted that about 120 tabs will run you about $357. Now, keep in mind the dosage for this medication is two tabs twice a day. So, you do the math on that. Two tabs twice a day and and 120 tabs is almost $400. And so, if the website, you know, the the Contra website says it's about $99 a month, but that and it's on your insurance. And a lot of insurances don't cover it. And so, you know, there's that. But it's also a really good medication. Um, the the good, it does not have any control substance in it. So I think people are more comfortable with taking it, people are more comfortable with prescribing it, and people are more comfortable with having it having you on it for a long term,
0: but it can be a little costly. Yeah, um, sometimes what they would do, some insurances, they might cover it if you had tried something before that yeah. didn't work. So if you have documentation, like you tried Phenomy, you didn't lose much weight, you had side effects with the acutemia, whatever. So then you tried the contrave. If you if you show the insurance company that you had all of that, all that documentation, sometimes you need like a prior authorization. Sometimes they will cover it. Uh, sometimes the, because like a lot of times the insurance won't cover it because they're like, well, what have you tried before?
1: Yeah, I agree yeah because i've had because and that's insurance dependent mm-hmm. because i've had multiple patients on contrave and some of their insurance just send me a letter like hey we're not going to prove this because of this but if you prove this and put it in a note
0: yeah then send it, it our way
1: fine. it will be fine yeah yeah I, but i also but i also think about you know the same thing that i think about in terms of like the side effects of bupropion i also counsel them on that with contrave too mm-hmm. so Because for some patients, bupropan can also cause an increase in heart rate. It can also cause an increase in jitteriness and things, depending on the patient. So Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the ones
4: that, you know, we're talking about, you know, getting approved. And so one of the ones that we can't really, like, um, leave out that we use all the time is uh, metformin, ironically enough. So for most of y'all have heard metformin before because we use metformin as a kind of first line drug for diabetes and prediabetes. But we have also known that at high doses, it can be used for, as a strictly a weight loss medication. Metformin is uh, relatively cost effective. So it does not cost a whole lot. It's a generic, you know, you can pay, you can find fifteen milli- 1500 milligrams of metformin on the, you know, Walmart $4 prescription list, $9 for 90 day list. And so for people who are really, um, you know, on a very strict budget, but looking to try something, then this is, you know, very good. So the good is that it's cheap. Um, We also know that it may reduce, you know, um, some studies suggest that it can reduce cancers, colon, breast, ovarian, prostate, lung cancers. Um, You take it either, you can take it up to 2,500 immediate release daily or extended release 2,000 milligrams daily. So that's a pretty high dosage for metformin. Again, the good is that it's cheap and it can reduce cancers. The bad is that, yo, you can poop your pants all over again, right? This is a different (laughs) pooping than Orlistat, but pooping nonetheless. And this happens to my patients with diabetes and prediabetes all the time. So here's the deal. Of all the mechanisms for for metformin, the one thing is really good at is preventing absorption of sugars in the gut, right? Your gut is just a tube from mouth to anus, right? And so metformin is going to prevent you from absorbing those sugars. And sugars are a big molecule. They attract water. So all of a sudden, all the sugars and fats that you've eaten for the day can no longer get out of your gut, can no longer get out of your tube, but they can attract all the water inside the tube. So think of turning on a water hose and putting your finger on the outside of it. That's kind of what's happening to your tube at that very moment, and it's got to blow one way or the other. So generally, if your diet is not improving, you will have consistent diarrhea or GI upsets. And so that's the bad. And in some cases you can get some B12 deficiency, but that's really rare. Um, So there, there's that thing. So that's the thing with metformin. And so generally why you have to know about metformin as an option is that most of the time metformin is an easy medicine to document any, any event that it doesn't work well to say, okay, look, we tried metformin, we try lifestyle changes, this didn't work. And we can ask your insurance companies, can we, Try something different, like your Qsymia or your Contrave, or some of the other ones.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, um, some other ones, and this by no means is a is an all inclusive list, but I think these are some that most doctors are familiar with, and most people are familiar with. And so, um, the other ones are it's like Saxenda. It is the it, at the time, at the time. In the literature and it hasn't been updated, it was one of the most expensive um, drugs out there on the market. It it's about twelve hundred dollars a pop if you don't have good coverage, and this is a daily injectable. Okay, so this is not for people who do not have insurance coverage, but it's very effective and it is a it's a daily medication now. Something else has come on the market, which is now even more expensive. Which I said at the time when the literature came out, it was the most expensive. And this is where we get into the We Govies of the world. So, the We Govies of the world are GLP 1. It's also an injectable, but it's a once a week injectable. It works similarly to Saxenda, except for you only have to inject yourself once a week and it is quite effective. But without insurance, it's almost
1: $1,700 a pop. And so, it's wow. expensive. Well, technically, if you were doing Sexenda and you switched to Wegovy, you're saving money because this is 1,700 a week versus the 1200 a day. It's
3: true, right?
1: very but- <laughs> true.
0: But that's if you could get your insurance company to cover the work right. That's, that's what I've been running. I've been running into that issue. Like most of them, they don't even want to cover it. And if they do yeah. cover it, they, and the, the patient's like, well, it cost me like $500. I'm like, yeah. and I'm looking at them like, that's a good deal. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. That, Cause that's what I'm seeing. You know seeing. what it Like, could have like been? they gotta pay $500. I'm like, oh, okay, they paid a good
4: chunk of it. So right. most people with insurance are still paying about $500 every three months for the medication. And they, you know, some people can afford it, but most people cannot.
1: hmm um, one thing I will add to what Amy Jo said is that some of the medications she's listing, the regimens for these medications require you to come back to the doctor to have them titrated up. Yeah. So when they, so especially with like contrave, casemia, some of the ones that she's mentioning here, your doctor's going to prescribe it, but then they're going to want to have follow-ups because one, to see how you tolerated it, two, to see if it's working, and three, to escalate, you know, your dosage if need be. Mm-hmm. So this isn't something that we give you and then we don't see you for like right 6 or 9 months this is not this is not that yeah you the the recommendation
4: is that on average you need to be losing somewhere between 5 and 10% of your initial body weight in the first 12 weeks
0: mm-hmm. i think i think for me my goal is never to necessarily keep you on a medication forever i kind of look at it as it's a tool to help in achieving the goal achieving the goal right to help But then ultimately what my goal is for you is to change your habits because that's what's going to help you maintain the consistent Mm -hmm. weight loss throughout life. Right. Because like I because a lot of times what you do see is that they're on the medication for a little bit. Right. They stop taking it and then they gain all the way back and then some. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's mainly because a lot of times they didn't stay with the behavioral changes that was necessary with the medication.
4: But I think that's what they're trying to get doctors to get away from, that we should, I think they're trying to, the newer medicines, right? Mm -hmm. So some of the newer ones that are coming on the scene are designed that we stop taking people off of the medicines once they've achieved the weight loss. Because however you, whatever you use to get them there, you use to keep them there, right? And so Mm -hmm. I've seen articles where they've kind of, you know, set it up to say you wouldn't stop somebody's blood pressure medicine because now that you've prescribed it, they come back and they're 120 over 80. We wouldn't say, oh, good, you're 120 over 80. So now we can stop your medicine. That's true. And so they're trying to get us to think about weight loss medicines in the same way. The the unique component to that, though, is depending on which one it is, some of them come with a side effect profile that's just not sustainable. Right. So like phentermine, you may simply not be able to stay on because we may look up and you might have palpitations mm-hmm. or dry mouth or tachycardia or hypertension and it means you've got to come off of that medicine and so even as we want to keep you on it as long as we can there are some medicines that there is a window there's absolute window so you know there's all there's just something for you know people to know mm-hmm. um as we talk about medicines I, and this the really the whole point is to you know inform people that there are medicines out there so that you can have a conversation with your with your doctor. Um especially people who feel discouraged because they've been turned down for bariatric surgery, their insurance won't cover it. They don't know what they're going to do because there's a lot of people out there that are like that, you know, that don't know what I'm going to do. I felt, you know, really encouraged. I was I was in a good groove and now I feel like all hope is lost. All hope is not lost. There are medications that fit a lot of different price points and um for some of you all they can do it. Oh, and there was one last one that we don't use as much but doctor no no um, reminds me and that's vivance. So that of course, that's under the amphetamine um, you know, family because it's got, you know, all the ADHD medicines and all those stuff in there. And um you use that. It's actually a treatment for ADHD, but it's also a treatment for binge eating disorder, and so that's something else we don't think about for people who may have lost all who who are totally uninhibited by their uh, their leptin, like they don't have any leptin, uh, you know, feedback, you know, pathways left, and they are binge eaters, like they don't have any stopping points. Um, in some cases, the Vivans, you know, will be will be initiated. But in that case, I really think that's more of obesity medicine or people who specialize in obesity medicine. I don't know that you see a lot of that prescribed just in the general primary care setting.
0: Yeah, Vyvanse is a is pretty effective, great drug, but it's a controlled substance because mm-hmm. it's an ADHD medication. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then also it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, it, <So>. can <laughs> it can be. It can be. And you know,
4: and people, you know, I know people are always like, "What's the deal with the um, controlled substance?" Listen, y'all. Um, you you got people to answer too, and so do we, right? And so every month, um, <laughs> every month, you know, I don't get a report from the the F, the DEA saying, "Hey, here is your local, you know, list of all the control medicines you get." We get that in the state of South Carolina. I don't know if anybody else gets it, but periodically, I get a report of every control drug that I've prescribed to every patient in in a certain window. And while
1: could- we have a that we have, we have a database and they can print it out for you. Yeah, yeah, like my job can print it out in California. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they
4: forget to print it out. They email it to you, be like, here's your report for the month. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can go ahead and get it. Because you know, if it's a database, sure it's there. Whether you look at it or not is neither here nor there, right? But they email it to us, like you get their reports, it be like, No, we sent you your report so that you know. Controlled substances are part of medicine. We are licensed to prescribe controlled substances. Um, And so a controlled substance in itself is not something that we shy away from. But we're also conscious because newer doctors, you know, had it ingrained in their training that we are not to be just out here flipping out controlled substances, you know, just you know, anytime we get ready. And so it requires you to be very conscious and thoughtful about when you're doing them, how you're doing them, and making sure you have implemented the appropriate follow-up to keep patients safe. So your safety is my concern. And so I do not play with controlled substances, like I am very thorough with that. So it means that whenever you prescribe one, it requires a lot of follow up and feedback to make sure you're keeping everybody safe. So it is a it is a high energy effort when you oh, do yes. it.
0: Oh yes. And um they the government they do random checks on you. So if you if you prescribe a little bit more than they than they think you should, oh, they watching you. <laughs> and you yeah. could you lose your license. So that's why <laughs> when you and they
4: watching you, uh-huh. you consumer yes so um because every now and then you know people be like what how you know when i picked it up i can find it i can see all of that you picked it up um uh, december 7th um the last thing you picked it up before that was um november you tell me you take it every month there's no way you're doing that because i see it and it's very accurate
1: mm-hmm. and y'all this isn't just some random committee of people this is the feds yep. these are this is the feds <laughs>
4: Right, man. I can't have the people.
1: They can kick down my door if they want to. They know exactly where I live. They know where we all live. Mm-hmm.
0: They, they can find us. us right now. Hey, y'all.
1: They can find us. So, so Be a So yeah, like y'all. <laughs> Hey, so I heard we had an increase in the, that contract. No, that was contract.
4: Right, yeah. it wasn't, me. It, yeah. wasn't it was, me. it wasn't me. It, was, it wasn't right. me. <laughs> so yeah, so I started to say, I hope that you all have enjoyed this conversation. This is a high level overview. I want people to know that there's there's medicines out there. And for anybody that is feeling a little sad, a little down because it's February 8th and you did not meet your weight loss goals, all hope is not lost.
1: Well, next we're gonna move on to the questions, which for today will be just one question because that's all we got time for. You talk too much. (laughs) We talk
0: too much. (laughs) Okay.
1: Before we get to the questions, I want to say something really random. But I just wanted to let Dr. Chris know that she looks really cute today. thank you. Yeah. You you look really cute with your hair and everything. I was ready for vacation. You look like you lost weight since last time we saw you. (laughs) That's true. I wasn't eating. You eating because you're supposed to go on Cause vacation. Mm-hmm. I didn't Oh, because Don't be blaming
0: Rona. Oh, it's because she was
4: going on vacation and she was trying true. to make sure them swimsuits were gonna be ready. And then oh. she got the Rona and she got depressed because there was no swimsuit. And so she was not eating. Y'all don't.
1: But she's cute. Thank you. Yeah, because Doctor Chris look real cute. Oh, and I'm you. like, but I see the changes in your cheekbones too. I'm like, Doctor Chris, out oh, here yeah, looking mm-hmm. fly. Thank you. Oh,
0: thank you. I appreciate that.
1: No problem. Okay. So the one question we have for today is I'll pick a simple one or which I think is a simple answer. Um, the question is from a doctor perspective, do you think that we will have additional COVID variants? Yes. Yes. In, a, in, a, in addition to that, do you have any advice on how to stay positive during this ongoing pandemic? How to stay like positive oh. as in
2: not getting it or positive as in like I don't think I, I they like, no want to know no how to get it. Take
4: your mask off. No. Take
1: your mask
4: off. <laughs> yeah, we can no. that real mask
1: off.
0: But please don't no. do that. Don't do that. Okay, don't do it though. I think it's, <laughs> do that. you
1: have, I think it's, do you have any advice on how to stay like, positive, like upbeat, Beat. like yeah. upbeat and how to just stay like forward thinking and just overall in a pleasant mood during this pandemic and not let it get you down with all the additional variants? Well, I think,
0: I think now, I think prior to the vaccination, I mean, if we think back, I think it was like totally different than it is now. You know, at least mm-hmm. I kind of feel like now, before when there was no therapy, you were just like, dang, I don't know if I get this. I'm not sure. Like, you crossing your fingers because you're like, this could be bad. Could be my day. right?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, now that we have some therapies and vaccination, I think it's a, it's a little different. It's not Not that it can't go wrong because it could always still go wrong, but um, I just feel like there's a a little more hope in the sense that we have some things that we can do in ways. And we kind of understand COVID a little bit better than we did prior to before wearing masks, like just kind of staying consistent with the social distancing measures. I mean, I think- I think that could, if you think about it that way, I think that's a way that you can feel more hopeful. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense.
1: And I'm gonna let y'all know right now, it is late. So kudos to Amy Jo MD and Dr. Chris for being awake because I'm on Pacific time and it's late for me. So I know it's real late for them. That just shows how much we love y'all.
0: We do. Yeah. We do. But I'm definitely going to go
2: to sleep right <laughs> now. Well, your chocolate kisses are for your bed, I assume. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't be giving Chris her chocolate kisses because it takes her forever to think of them all the time. I know.
0: I know.
1: Nono me. just gave you a freebie.
0: I sure did. Well, I guess I guess I'll do my chocolate kiss. I'll say my chocolate kiss is to all of you guys, all of the listeners, because I definitely have stayed way past my bedtime to to do this, <laughs> and I that just goes to show how much I love you guys. Because I don't, you can ask all these ladies, I don't do this normally.
1: But you, but you look good while you're doing it, so, you doing it. I appreciate you. Know, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. So it's good. It's I love good. you guys.
0: My <laughs> chocolate kiss to y'all, y'all.
1: Oh my goodness. My my chocolate kiss is very simple. It's Black History Month, so I'm giving my chocolate kiss to all the ancestors that came before me and all of their sacrifices because I greatly appreciate it. And I recognize that I am at... I feel like I am in a position in my life that I couldn't have been in if it wasn't for the ancestors. But at the same time, I still have to do my responsibility to make sure that the people that come behind me also have an easier time because, you know, I'm doing my thing to hold down the culture and to make a good example for those that might come after me. So... Shout out to the Ancestors. Oh, That was a good one. Y'all came to my shoulders and my arms crossed. I'm going to do a little I?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I watched Black Panther yesterday. <laughs> no, it is on
2: repeat Black right Canada now. I've watched it three times by now. But, yeah.
0: That was a good one, Dr. Sunshine. I like that. It was. I can't follow oh, up with that. Let me see. Um, I got
4: one. I got one. So My Chocolate Kiss goes out to um, Dr. Siri Press, um, one of the wonderful physicians that is on... Uh, our commercial uh, in the show. Um, me and Dr. Press went to medical school together, and because of her, I passed boards. And so I'm gonna give my chocolate kiss to her because, um, you know, when you're a, when you're a black physician or a black medical student, it can get a little lonely, especially when you hit some some bumps in the road. And so Dr. Press was holding it down, and um, she is the reason why I figured out like, oh, this one need to do, and um, never looked back. Right. So shout out to her. Um, and shout out to her and her efforts with her other physicians to bring Dr. Crum- Crumpler's name um, to the forefront and um, for black physicians, uh, black women. And they're making a big push to acknowledge the, those efforts and all those things. So, chocolate kisses to my dear friend, Dr. Press, um, and her crew uh, for doing all they do.
0: That was a really good one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a competition? Why? it's not a competition. <laughs> Jesus. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I need to go to sleep, y'all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Chris is getting emotional. She needs to go to sleep. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> My chocolate kiss goes to, um, so being in Chicago, I'm part of the uh, Cook County Physicians Association, uh, which is a chapter of the National Medical Association for the city of Chicago. So, uh, we're doing really big things with our uh, mentorship committee, um, and I would like to give my chocolate kiss to the members of the executive board and all the mentees that we are working with. Um, so I I remember when I was going through uh, pre-med and, you know, I did not have, like, any direction or anything, uh, being able to, like, turn to my mentor who got me through, like, the hardest parts of U of M undergrad, like, oh my God, like Orgo, P-Chem, physics. Like I just, it, it was a mess. So I really want to give my thanks to her and also to the mentors that I worked with during that time it really got me honestly to where I am today. So thank you all and continue to do the good work that you do. And I hope that I can return that, uh, pay it forward, you know, being a physician and uh, being on the mentorship committee with Chicago. That was Aww. good, too. <laughs> Crazy!
4: Please, please tell the people where you to find what? us. Because Dr. Chris.
1: <laughs> Dr. Feeling. Chris has so many feelings. Feeling. No, no, please tell them where to find us.
2: All right, y'all. So be sure to check us out on our social media. It's at MDS. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, be sure to check us out on our website, which is www.thechocolatemds.com. Uh, you'll find all, all the info regarding our past episodes and um, uh, upcoming episodes from there. And uh, be sure to send us a follow. Be sure to send us your questions. Uh, you can either send it through all of our social media outlets or be sure to email us at thechocolatemds at gmail.com and send us those questions so that we can answer them on our future shows.
1: I just want to say that we have really big things planned for you guys in the future and that we had a meeting earlier today just to kind of talk about the podcast and how much we love you guys as the listeners and how much we've grown. And we just want to let you guys know that we appreciate it and that we're trying our hardest to make sure that we give you guys a great product every time we step on the microphone and we got big things planned and that we love you guys
0: and we appreciate you. Love you guys. Love you. Stay safe.
1: We're out out.
0: Okay.